Well, starting today and uh, over the next several weeks, uh, we are, if you kind of maybe heard, we're going to be taking on the topic, the subject of mental health. And uh, you could say that that subject has been an ever-emerging topic in our culture, uh, maybe made most prevalent by the pandemic and the years following. But I think it's important to note also that it is an ever-present topic uh, for thousands of years, according to God's Word. And uh, the uh, metaphor that we're looking at to kind of illustrate what we're doing together is this idea of a garden. That we believe God wants uh, kind of in our mental health uh, life, our spiritual health, our emotional health, our relational health, kind of all that comes together uh, to, to be healthy and, and flourishing. However, we recognize that within even um, a healthy garden at times, uh, weeds can take root. Um, but even with that, uh, in the presence of, you could say, weeds, we also recognize that we have a, a good, good father who the scriptures actually describe him as uh, a, a good, good gardener. Uh, in John chapter 15, uh, Jesus says that I am the true vine. And what Jesus goes on to say is how important it is that in this life we stay connected to the true vine, we stay connected to Jesus. And then with that, he says, and the good news, you can count on this, that my father is the gardener. My father is the gardener. So it's good that we are taking this subject on uh, that is, of course, relevant in our time, but at the same time, uh, again, we see rooted all throughout the scriptures. Uh, but also, even as we know this is good, and we might even uh, say, and I've heard some express like we're uh, even some excitement around taking on this topic, we also do so, you could say, with a, with a bit of apprehension. Uh, as we recognize that, uh, number one, personally, I am, I am no mental health uh, professional, uh, not an expert in this field. And as much as we know that there is good that can come from this kind of series, we also recognize that it comes uh, with some risks. Uh, that, you know, I, I wonder, like, what if, we, what if we don't cover everything that we feel like would really need to be covered on a particular topic? Or, you know, what if I don't say the right thing? Or what if I say the right thing but the wrong way? Or what if we say the right thing in a way that's not received uh, the, the right way? And, and all of these kinds of things. And then maybe even furthermore, there's those, uh, I think, in the life of church, maybe this is part of your story, where there's a sense, like, I'm not sure first of all, that this is even kind of my thing, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm good, uh, or, or more so would even say, like, I'm not sure this is a, a good thing for the church to be talking about, uh, in, in the sense that like, hey, you know, kind of let the spiritual things be the spiritual things, let the, you know, leave the psychological things to the psychological professionals. Um, but as we kind of wade into all of that, uh, kind of on, kind of the question on kind of what authority do we, do we stand on in which to navigate this, um, some of you would be very comforted to know, like, even though my title says lead pastor, I am, I am not the leader of this place. I'm not in charge, if you will, and something like that. That's good news. Uh, but the way our, our governance structure as a church is according to the scriptures is we have a, a body of elders who oversee the, the spiritual uh, well-being of, our, of our, our context. And so our elders are not staff. Uh, they're, they're kind of people from the pews just like you that are actually kind of recognized by you. In fact, we're in a season now where we're identifying new elders, so you can be a part of that. If you go to our website, you can see how to be a part of that. But as we've been talking in our, in our gatherings and praying together as a group, this is a subject that has been coming up, and I would say from, from their perspective, uh, knowing that it's a prevalent topic in our culture, how are we making sure that we're doing right, you could say, by the intersection of our 
you could say mental health and our spiritual health, like where these two things, uh, again, come together according to the scriptures. Um, and then maybe just a little bit affirmation even beyond just our leadership is really from you all. Uh, recently, as we started this uh, initiative, Whatever It Takes, one of the pieces of that we said was to be intentional uh, in the area of mental health in the life of our church in, in new ways uh, over the next couple of years. And while that is certainly so much more than just a sermon series, uh, just recognizing as we start this conversation, as we brought this uh, to you, the, you could say the number of kind of nods and conversations and even the interest from so many of you that we were taking on this topic or even an interest to how you can be a part of it um, uh, uh, well, it was pretty overwhelming, actually. And so as we navigate this as a church, uh, starting today and over the next several weeks, we want to obviously, given all these things, be as wise and discerning as possible. And so a couple of things that uh, we are doing. Uh, one, uh, you can know that we're not doing this alone, that uh, there's some, I have some other pastor friends who are kind of navigating this space I get to alongside of. And then even beyond that, um, we have within the life of our church some mental health professionals who we are kind of running all of this by. They're reviewing our messages, again, just to make sure we are uh, being judicious and prudent in the way in which we're approaching such an important, yet at times very sensitive topic. Um, but again, I think the case is most made in the fact that we know that this is something that has our attention. Um, it, it is not just something that's out there, but it's something that uh, affects and impacts every one of our lives because of, you know, maybe the people that we work with or kiddos, uh, kids we go to school with or our own families or if we're just probably really honest, our own selves within any of those particular contexts as we navigate this. And, you know, the, the surveys, uh, the studies really reflect this. Um, you, you see across the board that, you know, you could say kind of positive attitudes uh, are going down uh, while worry and anxiety seem to be going up. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but that anxiety is actually now the number one issue for women. And, and among men, it is number two, right behind alcohol and drugs. And I can't help but wonder if that's just part because maybe as guys, it's like, you know, you know we, don't, we don't talk about this kind of thing and, and just bury it behind that number one issue. When it comes to our kids, uh, the number of high school students who report, quote, experiencing persistent feelings of sadness and hopelessness. That that statistic has risen from 26% of kids in 2009 to now 44% and growing today. I mean, kind of get your mind around that. Like, nearly half of kids today say they have no hope for the future. Like, it's the highest um, rate of sadness ever recorded. Suicide uh, is the second leading cause of death among young people ages 10 to 24. And again, again, we don't have to think far, reach to, I mean, if, you're, if you have friends or you're part of, you know, law enforcement or military or first responders, you know what an issue uh, that, that this is. Um, it's all over healthcare and education, uh, even in kind of my lane in ministry. I mean, I, I don't know of too many friends of mine in ministry who did not slam hard up against some type of mental health issue either during or coming out of the pandemic. And so we get it, we see it, it's all around us, it's those, uh, with, and, and honestly, I think if we're honest, it's within us. 
And when it comes to this idea of, of just kind of being honest about this, um, th- this series title, this idea of weeds in my garden, it actually uh, comes from a lyric in a song that uh, was shared by actually a pastor friend of mine who uh, kind of came across it in the midst of a, I guess you could say a mental health moment in his own life. And the young artist uh, who wrote the song is named uh, Kindle Inskeep, and it's one of those songs that as you, as you not just hear it but see it, uh, you can kind of tell it's not just a song this girl is singing, uh, but it's uh, a representation, just some raw, just realness just coming out of what is going on uh, inside of her. And so uh, check this out. The song is called Honest. This song is called Being Honest. I tell you that I'm whole but I'm still healing. Again, the artist's name, uh, her name is Kindle Inskeep, and uh, she was actually on the 17th, uh, 17th season uh, of The Voice, if you're familiar with that show. She was on uh, Team Gwen, Gwen Stefani. Uh, and, and recently, she actually sat down uh, to share a little bit about what God was doing and up to in her life on the day that she wrote that song. So here's some of her story. My name is Kindle Inskeep. Um, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm a singer-songwriter for Warner Chapel and Coronet Music. There's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of pain that is deep-rooted in my story. Ended up kind of rebelling when I was a late teenager. I was so angry at God. I knew he was there, but I had never had a relationship with him. I was at the point in my life where I did not want to be here anymore. My family, I hadn't talked to them in probably a year. They were like, okay, you need help. So I went to a facility for two months and I started journaling to Jesus. And I had read this journal entry to one of my friends and I read her this journal entry. We prayed about it. We asked Jesus to just remove this from Kindle. And I felt this overwhelming peace and joy. That is the day that Jesus met me where I was. Songhouse is this collaborative workshop for TikTok, Instagram, social media platforms. Um, The founder is Tyler Ward. We all go into this loft on Wednesdays and Saturdays. We're paired into random groups and we have 30 minutes to write a pre-chorus and a chorus. So the day we wrote Honest, I was just getting out of a really bad funk. And my passions and my desire to do the things that I love just kind of were just depleted. I felt defeated. And so I called Tyler that day and I was like, I'm not coming in. I'm, go- I'm not gonna write anything good. Just totally allowing the enemy to get to me. And he's like, Kendall, you're gonna put two feet on the ground you're gonna get your butt up and you're gonna come into Songhouse today. So I get there 
we have a round or whatever, I asked him to leave again. Like, I'm crying every 10 seconds. Like, I'm just like a mess. But messes become messages, you know? He's like, no, you're staying. And then we get into the room and we're all going through the same thing in different ways. And the concept was honesty. And we're like, what if we're being honest about not being honest with ourselves? And it was like, boom. And we wrote this song in like, I'm not even kidding, probably 15 minutes. That raw emotion that you might see in the video, that was exactly how I was feeling that day. Turns out, a lot of other people were feeling that way too. I think, you know, one of the lines that everybody tends to go to is the, I'll give you roses, just hoping you don't see the weeds in my garden. It made me stop in my tracks because it was like, if you can't even be honest with yourself, how are you being honest with the Lord? So that's not very authentic to our relationship. And how are you going to be able to fix me if I don't even give you those pieces? And so it was a moment of surrender. To anybody going through a season of defeat, allow yourself to feel it. But do not allow, you, allow that specific pain or suffering to determine your future. Your pain will be turned into something beautiful. Your weeds will be turned into roses at some point. So keep faith in that and know that. Because she or he who believes that the Lord will fulfill his promises is blessed. I appreciate the way that uh, Kendall was able to recognize that when she had the courage to be honest about the way she hadn't been honest with herself and, and with others, that the way this kind of opened up this, this community in that songwriting group of hers. And uh, as I get that, I think that, man, that is just a, a morsel, a snapshot of really what Jesus designed the church to be. Uh, that that's exactly what Jesus designed this community of people to be, to be able to be a place where we can actually be honest about not maybe having being honest about these kinds of things uh, in our stories. And, and listen, that doesn't come for free. That doesn't come easy. In fact, everything about this space and place, you could say in many ways almost works again. There's even a saying like putting on your Sunday best, you know, like, like that's not talking about clothing. It's talking about, if we're, I think we're, we're honest, how there's this temptation here in this kind of space and place to, to not be honest, to let this place, if we're not careful, become, you could say, like a, a museum of all put together people rather than uh, a hospital for the hurting who need the help and the healing that Jesus came to bring, which Jesus said that's why he came in Luke chapter 5, verse 31 and 32 specifically, actually. And so again, the easy thing for us would be to just kind of keep coming, showing up week in and week out uh, to just keep going and not be honest about the fact that we're not being honest uh, to, you know, just give one another's roses, hoping we don't see each other's weeds in one another's gardens. However, to borrow another lyric from the song, maybe for you, like, if you're being honest, you're at your darkest and you're sitting here waiting here, 
like just praying for someone to show you what love is. And I'm telling you, that's what Jesus came to do. That's who Jesus is. That's who he came to be. Um, it's interesting, the, the prophet Isaiah, actually 700 years before Jesus even shows up on the scene, gives these descriptors about who Jesus was going to be. And so we see it on the scene 700 years later being fulfilled, uh, and then 2,000 years later, here for us, this truth of who Jesus is. Here are the words of the prophet Isaiah. And I, and I would encourage you to kind of, again, view it through the lens of our, our emotional and mental health. The prophet says that the Lord has chosen and sent me to tell the oppressed the good news, to comfort and heal the brokenhearted, and to announce freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, joy instead of mourning, praise instead of a spirit of despair. And so as you look at those, those bold words, you can see this is a pretty holistic approach to who Jesus is, that we were not designed by God to live in these fragmented uh, kind of understandings, like if you have a physical problem, you go to a physician, if you have a psychological problem, you go to a psychiatrist or a counselor, and, and if it's a spiritual problem, well, then, then God and the church and all that might have something to say. No, no, no. The physical, the mental, the spiritual, like, like God designed us interconnected to be made whole, not split apart in these ways. In fact, uh, one of many great examples of this uh, we see in Jesus kind of manifesting what we just described. We see in Mark chapter five. Uh, it goes this way. There's, uh, there's a setting where he and his disciples, that they went across a lake to the region of the, the Gerasenes. And there, when Jesus got out of the boat, there was this man with an impure spirit who came from the tombs to meet him. This man, he lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot and he would tear those chains apart, broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. It's like, like no one could help this guy. And so night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and he would cut himself with stones. And so, Pretty clearly here, we see this, this kind of collision of the physical and the emotional and the mental and the spiritual all coming in kind of this, this wreck of a reality for this man's life. But Jesus, Jesus, he shows up in his strength and his power and his presence and he brings help and healing to this man, overcoming his demons, as the scriptures go on to say that after this, verse 15, it says that when they came to Jesus, they saw the man, the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And so over the course of this series, we'll be looking uh, at ourselves through the lens of God, you could say holistically, where the spiritual, the physical, and the mental all come together. Because this isn't just about a crisis in our lives. This is a reality that we all have mental health, each and every one of us. So this is a series that's for all of us. Uh, but then beyond that, we also recognize that within this reality, there are these, these moments, these, these seasons where specific topics prop up either in our lives or a loved one's life. And so we'll also make sure we take on specifically topics like depression, suicide and self-harm, stress and burnout, worry and anxiety. 
And then really, of course, most of all, the most important topic that we see through all of it is the help and the hope that can come only in Jesus. And so as we embark on this journey together, and maybe really, in a lot of ways, get, um, you could say, maybe honest about the fact that maybe we haven't been honest, I want to give us kind of some space to do that here today. And so when you walked in uh, to the room, you received this survey, both here in the West Auditorium as well as in the East Auditorium. And what I want you to do is I want you to take that out and and grab a pen as well. And uh, first thing, uh, do not put your name on this. Uh, This is designed to be an anonymous survey where, uh, again, a reflection of us kind of getting honest about maybe where we haven't been as honest with ourselves in the church. And so um, I'm gonna read through these briefly, just again, for those of you also online to be able to, to hear this. Uh, and then I'm gonna give you about a minute just to, to, to respond, yes or no, if this is true in your life. Uh, and again, it's gonna be completely anonymous. So first question, do you struggle with worry and or anxiety? Do you ever feel stressed and or burned out? Have you ever been addicted to something? Have you ever thought about or attempted suicide? Are you lonely? Have you ever struggled to believe that that God loves you, that he likes you, that he really wants what's best for you? And lastly, do you know someone who has struggled with mental health in the last 12 months? So I'll give you a minute just to Briefly, and go ahead and just cover it. I mean, this is just for you, not your neighbor, so pretend like they're not good at spelling and they're trying to copy your spelling test or something. Just, is, just go ahead and cup that hand and this is just for you. And then when you're done, just fold that in half and I'll give you some instructions on what to do with it from there. Give you about a minute to, to complete that. There's gonna be some folks now uh, coming down the aisles here in the West Auditorium as well as uh, kind of roaming around in the East Auditorium with some baskets. And just go ahead and uh, drop those surveys into uh, those baskets and I'll share here uh, in a little bit how we're gonna gonna utilize those.
appreciate your willingness to, to complete those. Uh, again, I'll share in a moment um, what we're going to do and how we're going to utilize that. Um, but just, I guess, know this, that, um, again, of course, 100%, we know um, our faith is in that our ultimate hope and healing and help comes only in Jesus. Uh, but with that, we want to recognize that a part of this equation, if you will, that when it comes to our mental health in particular, like I guess when it comes to those difficult days, those weeds in our gardens, if you will, that you could say those weeds, they germinate, they, they pop up from, you could say, generally speaking, one of four possible kind of root systems, if you will, uh, that they kind of really are the source of these weeds in our garden. And, and even as I go through these four individually, we also recognize that it could be any combination of two, three, or even all four of these, uh, given some of the things uh, that, that pop up in our, in our lives. And so the first one, the first weed root, uh, can often be just situational. Uh, that there's just circumstances that have come alongside or blindsided us in our lives. It could be anything from just the unthinkable in trauma to uh, maybe a, a broken relationship. Maybe it's a loss. Uh, it, could be, it could be like a significant change, maybe in like a job or having to move. Uh, or, or perhaps it's maybe even just a combination of several circumstances kind of coming together, kind of the whole, you know, when it rains, it pours kind of thing. And so sometimes a weed can pop up uh, based on uh, a specific situation. Uh, secondly, the root could be biological. Uh, it could be biological in the sense of some of you are familiar with the terminology, you know, nature versus nurture, uh, that, you know, we are all nurtured in an environment in which we've grown up on that has an impact, you know, maybe even the situations we face. But then kind of our nature is kind of the, the you're born with it, kind of the way in which you are kind of pre-hardwired to, to take on this world. I mean, I think there's probably a point in every one of our lives where at some point we wish something was maybe different about the biology that we received or something like that. I, I know for me growing up, uh, I played, I played hockey, but I played in South Carolina where, in, a, in a space where we didn't have any ice. And so we played roller hockey. And so uh, a, a place where maybe a little bit of strength and some mass would have been helpful. And despite every effort to lift all the weights, which I promise was never that much weight, uh, to drink the, the weight-gaining shakes. And I mean, I ate a pint of ice cream every night of my high school life. I'm not kidding you. I mean, now granted, our family owned an ice cream shop, which made this incredibly easy and accessible. But given all this, like I could not put on an ounce of mass. In fact, um, my nickname on the hockey team, get this, giraffe on wheels. <laughs> but every kid aspires to be when they grow up. And so fast forward now, um, I kinda, it's kind of flipped for me a little bit And that now when I go out with, with friends, they kind of hate going out to eat with me because uh, they're just like, man, you can eat everything on the menu and just maintain your giraffe-like stature while they're like, if I like look at the word deep fried, I feel like I'm gonna you know, put on weight. And so um, we have you know, different you know, metabolic rates as part of our nature in which we process food. And uh, this translates into lots of other spaces and places. Uh, you know, Jesus said you can't add an inch to your height by worrying. I mean, there's, there's just things that we are born with. And this is also true when it comes to specific spaces in our mental health, about the way in which we uh, kind of interact with uh, anxiety uh, or addiction or depression. And so one of the roots that we have to recognize can often be uh, biological. Third root um, that it can be in our lives is medical or clinical, and that there might be a, a chemical imbalance or maybe something off kilter with our homo hormones, and we need you know, someone who can kind of 
administer and interpret tests to be able to maybe step in with some medication or some things that can be helpful in that case. And then the fourth root is spiritual. The spiritual root. Um, I remember a guy a number of years ago uh, who uh, just got in life at church who was way up against just some pretty difficult mental health stuff and it was manifesting itself in all kinds of, of terrible ways, just kind of coming out in all kinds of like anger and blame. I mean, honestly, he was kind of, he was a guy who reminded me of this guy from Mark chapter five, like no one could contain him, uh, no one could seem to help him. But as it turned out, there was a pretty significant uh, hidden sin issue in the, the darkness of his life. And, and when that came to light and confession and repentance were uh, a part of that story, then all of a sudden the future looked a whole lot more possible, a whole lot brighter. And, and I share that really as an example because um, sometimes it doesn't matter how many counseling sessions you go to, no matter, matter how perfect the prescription is, that where there is, you could say, unconfessed, unrepentant, as the Bible says, sin in the camp, that certain issues will never be fully resolved apart from the spiritual component at play. And so again, the weeds that pop up in our lives can have any one or any combination of those four roots. And one of the things I think is just really important for us to recognize, uh, even when it comes to kind of that spiritual root in the midst of all this, that again, we understand we are holistic people created by God, emotional, physical, uh, mental, like, like everything is spiritual. In fact, that's why our mission, we understand it, that if we're becoming devoted followers of Jesus in every area of our life, then that means Jesus has got a hand in every area of our life, including our mental health. But this is really important. While everything is absolutely spiritual, not everything is always only spiritual. Everything is spiritual. We believe Jesus is involved in all of it, but it's not always only spiritual. And here's what I mean by that. And sometimes I think it kind of plays out maybe uh, in not the best way sometimes in a context like ours here in the church that, you know, a well-being uh, friend or will ask appropriately when things are going on. Again, appropriate question. Like how's kind of like your, your spiritual kind of part of that equation, you know? You, and we start asking things like, you know, you, you're still connected to church, you're praying, or you, you're reading your Bible, which is helpful things. But sometimes I think we have to be careful not to go so far as to suggest that, hey, but you, you know, if you just... You just prayed more or went to church more, like, like, like that's all you need to do, or, or to somehow suggest that if you just read your Bible more, you wouldn't have to face this thing anymore. And I just gotta say that the only problem with that perspective uh, is actually the Bible itself. Because what we see in the scriptures actually are, you know, again, these heroes of the faith like Jeremiah, or Elijah, who we just read the, the prophecy about Jesus, or, or, or David himself, who kind of wrote the Psalms. Like, we see within their writings this, honestly, mental health professionals say, like, you would have diagnosed these folks uh, with depression or a minimum in the midst of a mental health crisis. I mean, you think about it, like, even Jesus himself, you know, that he wept and cried out in emotional and relational agony as he was betrayed and abandoned by his closest friends and the anguish and the anxiety of approaching the cross. Like, we recognize, like, this is all a part of the reality. And so while, yes, everything is spiritual, not everything is always only spiritual. That in the same way that if you encountered your friend with a broken arm, you wouldn't say, hey, have you prayed about it? You don't need to go to the ER. It's only spiritual, that we recognize there's an interplay. Of course, you're gonna pray for them, but there's the spiritual and the physical all coming 
together. So we just, we say that to say, just we wanna be careful that while we are absolutely 100% committed to the spiritual because it's at play, Jesus himself, John 10, 10, said there's a very real enemy who is seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. But at the same time, we just have to be careful not to too quickly discourage the interplay of the situational, the biological, the medical, along with the spiritual, okay? And so as we, you could say, kind of sail out on this journey of mental health over the next several weeks together, I wanna give us just five real quick anchoring points that will be important for us all along the way. And so real quick, they all start with the letter R so that you can remember them, okay? So with that, the uh, first R is to recognize to recognize that this is, like, this is a real issue. Uh, and I think that's what we've been kind of taking our time here today to recognize that uh, this is an important topic in our world, it's an important topic uh, in God's uh, word, and I think if we're honest, it's an important topic in, in our world. Uh, not just in a sermon series, but what we're gonna take on over the next couple of years as part of our Whatever It Takes initiative. So we gotta, we gotta recognize that this is worth uh, our best for. Second, resources. Uh, we, we've been very intentional to provide some additional resources and direction for you beyond just the sermons. And so if you go to our website, firstdecatororg slash mental health, uh, you'll see a number of resources, uh, including some, some contact information for, through to like, you know, like a pastor in the life, pastors in the life of our church, as well as some, uh, some resources in our community, our state, and around the country. We have some Bible studies there for you, uh, some, um, some scripture, some uh, also just actually uh, even like a curated uh, playlist on Spotify, just really to kind of live out and get to live in what Philippians 4 says, that when it comes to our, our well-being, uh, the Apostle Paul says, now finally, brothers and sisters, like kind of like the, the exclamation mark on these kinds of things, whatever is true, like whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, like whatever is admirable, like if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, Scriptures say to think about these things, to, to give your mind, to give your, other translations say to dwell on such things. And so be sure to take advantage of the additional resources to do these kinds of things. Uh, also, with that, we recognize that a resource often, third R, is the ability to refer, referral. That uh, often the best next step, uh, whether to recognize in your own life or as your church to come alongside you, is to recognize where we are not professionals in a particular area and where you'd be better helped by a physician or a counselor in addition to the spiritual side of things. Uh, that you guess you could say in the same way that God can work through a physical therapist to bring healing to our physical bodies, that God can absolutely work through a therapist and a counselor to bring uh, healing to our minds and our mental, emotional health as well, of which I have no reservation in telling you that I have been the personal recipient of and the beneficiary of, of that kind of counseling in my life um, for wherever that's helpful. Um, maybe an honest uh, option just to, to kind of be a little real for you from me. Uh, and that's really our fourth R is that we have to have a commitment to be real about this. We have to be real. That to be honest that in the church we always haven't been honest about these kinds of things. And so with this in mind uh, and kind of all this in the mix, um, we're gonna actually take these surveys that you completed, and we're actually gonna hand them back out. So some ushers are coming by, they're gonna pass some baskets uh, with the same service. I want you to take one out. Um, they are a conglomeration of those you completed here in the West Auditorium, mixed in also with those in the East Auditorium. Uh, so in your hands, you will have the survey of someone else in the life of our church. So I'm gonna give you a minute to 
uh, get one of those and then I'll share what we're gonna do with those next. So what we're gonna do here next is uh, with the survey of someone else, uh, a brother or sister uh, in the life of your church, uh, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read these again one by one. And as I read them, I'm gonna invite you to stand if the person who filled out the survey in your hand circled the word yes, okay? So with that, to the first question, do you struggle with worry and or anxiety? If the person who completed your survey said yes, please stand. Can have a seat. Do you feel stressed and or burned out? If your survey says yes, would you please stand? Have you ever been addicted to something? If your survey says yes, would you please stand? Be seated. Have you ever thought about or attempted suicide? If the survey you have says yes, would you please stand? Have a seat. Are you lonely? If your survey says yes, would you please stand? Have a seat. Have you ever struggled to believe that God loves you, that he likes you, that he actually wants what's best for you? If your survey says yes, would you please stand? And then lastly, do you know someone who has struggled with mental health in the last 12 months? If your survey says yes, would you please stand? Yeah. This, is, this is real. This is, this is our church. This is, this is us. Um, 
And for those of you who have uh, slower metabolisms than I, congratulations, you just got your workout in for the day. So you can have, you can have a seat. So this is real. This is, um, well, I guess you could say that when it comes to this fourth commitment of ensuring that we are being real, we don't want to give you the impression that you have to be uh, vulnerable and transparent to that degree of real with everybody, but that in the church that you do have somebody to be real with, which really brings us to our, our last R, which is relationships. That Really, this could be a whole sermon series in and of itself, and in many ways, our last two weeks, uh, the series, Still the Hope of the World, uh, was in fact this, this reality that Jesus is the hope of the world, but that his plan to bring that to fruition is us, is his church, and doing that, again, why we've kind of interpreted that through this, this lens of developing into devoted followers of Jesus, that's why we're here, but that the, the pathway to that is together as we grow together around rallying around kind of scripture and Bible studies and prayer for one another, and as we you know, get shoulder to shoulder serving alongside together, it's in these spaces and places where naturally relationships are formed with other people who are trying to also stir up and build up their relationship with God uh, that we can find almost on retainer, if you will, the kinds of relationships that we need when the realities of life that represent what we stood up for hit us in our lives. That's what the church was designed by Jesus to be and to do. And so when it comes to these relationships, it reminds me of a story. I heard it years ago. Um, in fact, Pastor Roger Storms, uh, one of our outside advisors, uh, shared this as a, a guest uh, in a sermon this past summer, but I think it bears reminding for the point that it makes. And uh, it's a story of uh, a, a children's worker uh, in uh, the church, in the kids' area, working with the kindergartners. And um, it was a day when the, the class had already kind of got started and there was a, a new family to the life of the church. And so they were a little late to things and they were dropping off their, their daughter to the kindergarten group. Uh, and uh, the, the little girl, the uh, volunteer leader, noticed that she didn't have a hand and she didn't have time to kind of talk to the parents of, you know, was she born like this or was it an accident or any other accommodations or anything like that, nor did she really have time to have the conversation with her class, you know, you can only imagine just like thinking, okay, how are these kindergartens, you don't want to embarrass her, you want to make sure she has a great experience on her first time, and so naturally this volunteer was a little apprehensive as to how this might go, but uh, as the class went on, um, you know, and, and kind of the different kind of pieces of the, uh, the time came together. It went okay. They, they had some, some like arts and crafts time. It was just a coloring page. And so she was able to just with her one hand color. And then, uh, you know, a little later during snacks, you know, with the goldfish and the juice, like she was able to manage that no problem at all. And so as the class kind of came to an end, you know, the, the volunteer almost kind of letting her guard down a little bit, just kind of a a sigh of relief that it had gone okay. She uh, kind of gathered up the kids like they always do and we're gonna complete the time together like they always do. And she says, okay, kids, gather around and let's go put our hands together and make our churches. And uh, we know that this is the church and here is the steeple and here's the doors and see all the... And she stopped because she realized what she had done. She had done the very thing that she was so concerned uh, about her kindergartners doing. And so in this kind of panicky moment of awkward silence where, you know, the, the little girl actually has her one hand up and, you know, the students aren't real sure what to do, uh, really could not have come any quicker uh, than a little girl sitting next to the, the guest, the other little girl, just put her hand right up against hers and said, that's okay, we can make a church together. 
Y'all, like, that's the only way to make a church. Where two or more people, broken, recognizing, we've got weeds in our garden and we probably haven't been real honest about the fact that we haven't been honest about that. Build relationships one with another that encourages our ultimate relationship with the one who can bring the hope and the healing and help that while yes, there's a lot of other things at play, it's not only spiritual, don't miss, it is always also spiritual. And that's why Jesus gave us himself, who then in turn would give us the church, one another, to be through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us and through us in one another's lives for these things, for us, our betterment, but as a witness to the world and glory to God. May it be in our case, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.